Joel McLeod, and welcome to the 905er. One of our earliest episodes was with Flavio Volpe, president of the Auto Parts Manufacturers Association of Canada, to discuss their concept vehicle, Project Aero. This revolutionary vehicle was meant to showcase the talents and skills of Canada's automotive sector as the industry transitioned into electric vehicles. We promised then that we would follow up with him once the project was officially revealed to the world. Well, that time has come. Earlier this year at the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, the APMA finally lifted the cover off of this project that was years in the making. Afterwards, at the Toronto Auto Show, Canada finally got to see the car. To date, the reception has been enormously positive in the media. We reached out to Flavio to see if he'd find time to come back to the podcast to talk about Project Arrow, how the reception has been to this concept, name some of the companies that contributed to the project, and what's the technology that is actually inside of this car. More importantly, we talk about the future of the project and the future of the industry in Canada and how it might reshape the 905, Ontario, and Canada as a whole. Flavio Volpe joins us today. Have a listen. Before we begin our interview, we'd like to remind our listeners to please like, share, and subscribe to the 905er on whatever device you're listening to us on. As well, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to stay up to date with the latest episodes. And if you like what we're doing, please consider sponsoring us and donating a little bit of money to help us keep going. Visit us at 905er.ca and sign up at the supporter tab on the website. Thanks very much, everyone. Well, uh, thank you for uh, for coming back on the podcast, Flavio Volpe, president of uh, the Auto Parts Manufacturers Association of Canada and uh, one, of, one of the spear leaders on, on Project Arrow, which uh, we're Glad to come back and talk about this now that the now we finally know what it looks like. Yeah. I should say. But thanks, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Well, I'm glad to be back on. You know, you sent your goons over to make the uh kind of request that I couldn't say no to. So here well, you have me. The next step was going to be a horse head in the in the <laughs> so uh, you know what? I I'm hoping everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say Project Arrow. You guys got made a big splash at uh, the consumer uh, uh, entertainment show down in Las Vegas. And then you brought it up North here to the international auto show in Toronto. Yeah. What, what's the, what's the, the reception been like? What's, what's the experience been for, been like for you guys at the APMA uh, for the last few months? It's been crazy. And, and I don't want to take that for granted. You know, I had a conversation uh, right before we pulled the sheet at the CES in Las Vegas uh, with someone, I said, I'm actually not sure this is going to go. I mean, we have everybody's attention. You know, people are going to write about it, and hopefully they write about the right thing. The fact that this is this is really is us demonstrating what everything you can do in Canada rather than, hey, by the way, this is us launching a car company. Uh, but I'm not sure if it's going to be an aberration. You know, Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas is the place for auto reveals or whether it's going to catch a little bit of fire. Well, I mean, I mean, it caught fire. I think I did 126 interviews uh, in uh, in uh, maybe four or five weeks. 
And uh, two big notes. Once we did the CES, you know, a lot of international press, like, hey, what is it? Who are you? Uh, what are the implications? And then we did the the CIAS, the Toronto Auto Show, because, you know, this is a Team Canada play. It belonged on a stage in Toronto. And we wanted to, you know, that show, 350,000 people come to that show. We thought this is really the second half of this supposed to be the inspiring Canadians. Then let's put it in front of Canadians and let's see what they think. And, you know, there was an explosion then, you know, that uh, it was, it's really nice, you know, in this business, this business is about selling parts and systems that don't have a name to them to car companies who put their names on them. Mm. And for those car companies, those parts companies and systems companies around this car to be able to show their friends and family at the Toronto Auto Show what they do, that was a real special moment. Let's talk about some of the companies that were involved in this project, because I think I don't want, I don't want to overshadow your leadership on yep. getting this project together, but you know they're they're, they're kind of the Cinderella story of this because they're the ones who got to do the uh, the 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 assembly. They had to come up with the, what what how how are they going to contribute to this and yep. and you know I, the, the auto industry is just a huge backbone of the economy here in Ontario and Canada. What what does it mean for what does this project mean to a smaller auto parts manufacturing company to say, okay, we can showcase we're not just about putting a, a bolt in a door. We're about the next generation of cars that is coming. The market is is as hungry for these cars. What does it say to us to a smaller auto parts manufacturer that they're part of this project? Well, let me use a let me use a a, a GTA example. Uh, there's a company called Mayant run by a really dynamic guy named Tony Shaheen. Uh, they're out uh, by the airport, uh, by uh, Toronto Airport, they do intelligent textiles, uh, textile computing, and they contributed a steering wheel that the 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 materials on the wheel uh, monitored vitals. And any way you want to orient what it would monitor, it was really kind of a, the human machine uh, interface touchpoint. And we said this car's the design spec was. Okay, we're going to build a level three autonomous vehicle, connected, um, uh, uh, advanced applications of technology and software inside the vehicle. So we we're going to orient it as vehicle as a caregiver. Um, you know, if you have a if you have a chronic conditions, you can drive a vehicle where in a in a in a sense uh, when you otherwise would not be able to, or if you had a critical condition, this vehicle would could take you to critical care at the at the point where the driver or the passenger connected with the vehicle is through my technology to be able to demonstrate that at a show in front of thousands of people at CES who would buy that technology, who would consider it in its future design and in front of 350,000 people who may buy a car that would have a feature like that to be able to demonstrate it where you could see it, you can touch it. Um, where when we did the reveal at uh, the Toronto show on the stage, the minister responsible for uh, federal development in Ontario said, hey, by the way, talk to Tony. If you have a heart attack while you're driving, this car can take you to critical care, and it goes through his technology. I mean, that is that's next level business development. That's next level storytelling. Wouldn't have been able to do that. Uh, sure, you can put a steering wheel in people's hands. You can PowerPoint. You can show them in the the textiles. It, it, 
um, but to be able to to expand in a real way to people what the application is and where your imagination should start, uh, the arrow did that. And and there's 58 stories like that. Uh, I really like Tony's because it's where you touch the vehicle. Well, it, it's one of those things. It's almost like you are know, really thinking outside of the box or outside the yeah. car because I, I think when a lot of us are thinking of our interaction with a car, it's you know you get in, turn on the ignition, and step in the gas, and you're you're going down the 401 or the 403, yeah. and you have, we have that kind of human machine interaction uh, yeah. for the most part. But I mean, we are getting into the 21st century, and our, our I think our relationship with these machines has to change a bit and i thought that that intrigues me because I'm, i mean even if you don't say let's take it to the to a uh the nearest hospital or whatnot at the very yep. least if you are having a, a heart attack like in today's world you can tie that into gps and then uh your phone and you can send it immediately a notification to 911 to say hey the car is located on the road here have an ambulance come by to uh yep. to assist the the driver and then you know casually just pull over to the side so you're you're not impeding traffic or you're not causing any greater accident like that that's the kind of safety features that aside from just airbags we need to start thinking of in our vehicles yeah and even even comfort in your drive right like what makes the the the, the ride experience better so my right. worked with a company called woodbridge is ironically headquartered here in ontario uh and mississauga with uh, one of their main plants in woodbridge uh, made some seats for us that kind of interacted with that same intelligent material that, uh, you know, we go to one extreme of it, acute care, critical situation. The other thing is um, it, instead of just tracking vitals, it's what's your body temperature? What's your, what's your heart rate like? Um, and connect that to the AI uh, platform that this vehicle is running on to change the ambient temperature or the music or the volume of it or whatever other features that are in the chair, the heating, cooling, massaging. Uh, uh, also, um, you know, these vehicles for a long haul, especially if you're not on an autonomous drive, you're driving it yourself. It will be, look, we've calculated the conditions you are not uh, aware at a level that you're not awake at a level that is safe for operation of the vehicle. Let's swap with one of the other one, one of the other passengers. Hey, by the way, the passenger in the back right is in the ha has the right conditions. Here's a recommendation. And so, you know, Woodbridge uh, makes um, uh, really some of the really important uh, materials that go inside seats in everything from you know Porsche to Nissan, and they'd be taking this vehicle and taking this car and going to their car maker customers and saying, look, there's another application of our technology. Try it. Um, it, it is, it's a, it's a unique way to do it and a way in which a company would never do. Like you would never build a prototype seat for that. First of all, we're asking someone to just sit in a seat. Um, and then you got to do the one-off tooling and you got to do a whole bunch of other stuff on it. Uh, but because we aggregated um, all of these systems, and the capital to do it in our working prototypes ourselves. You know, we invited these companies to bring us their innovation and their imagination. You're right. I mean, for us, um, we acted as GM, so to speak, like a general, you know, a general manager of a, of a, of a team, not General Motors. And so, <laughs> um, 
and then, you know, we put some coaches on the field and we assembled some talents and we said, okay, look, you write the lineup. Um, you work through the game tactics. Uh, you know, we'll get an equipment supplier. Let's see how we play. And, um, you know, the role in GM is make sure they've got their resources, the vision and the objectives uh, clearly. And, you know, hey, this is a championship team or this is a team going for a rebuild, you know, that it manifests itself on the field. This one here was, hey, you know what? We're going to the big leagues. And I yeah. think we're going to put enough talent together to go beat the Yankees a few times. And then let's see if they invite us into the American League East. Hey, man, those damned Yankees. Yeah. Uh, so here's a, here's a bit of a fun question. Uh, what's your favorite feature on the car? What's the, what's the one thing you're just like, yeah, I want that in my next, in my next car? I mean, I'm a, I'm a car guy. I like, I like to go fast. And so on this car here, we set up a dual motor setup, uh, uh, a TM4 motor from uh, Quebec, and it's got 550 horsepower. And so we think uh, that this car will do uh, zero to 100 kilometers per hour in three and a half seconds. And we can reconfigure it to a three motor setup. So if we were to make a second one, I get that number under three. And I, I think it, it, uh, never mind the smile it puts on my face. It's a let me show you how simple it is for electric vehicles. Design is electric vehicles can add that power number that would have eaten up the vast amount of the powertrain engineering spend that you would have in a normal car. Right. You, you want 1200 horsepower? We can do it. You want 300 horsepower? We can do it. It's you know, in motors that fit in your gym bag, you know, and um, it takes that, the thing that was most important to me growing up as a car enthusiast, all of that, it's like, it's table stakes, man. And it's modular and you can do it. And I love that about uh, electric vehicles. Have you, okay. Have you, have you taken out on the road yet? You know, you, tell, me, tell me you haven't like snuck in like late at night to say, you no, know I'm just taking this for a spinner on the parking lot <laughs> at, at all, just between friends here. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, um, and the funny thing is, is that to an insurance company, that's not a car, that's a thing. <laughs> and so without a VIN plate, I can't drive it on the road, right? But, you know, uh, without, uh, telling on myself, uh, l let's say I've done more than just look at it. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm putting words in people's mouths here, but I think you should, uh, come out to the 905, take it down to Cayuga. Yeah. And uh, show show off what it can do on the strip there, you know. That, just saying, wouldn't that be a wouldn't that like? First of all, that would be fun. And one of the things we talked about here is I remember being at a cruise in in um, in Etobicoke in uh, twenty seventeen or eighteen, and there's a cruise in at a Canadian Tire on the Queensway on Friday nights, uh, and on Saturday nights, and Ford Canada brought the new Mustang in rolled it in you know a whole bunch of car enthusiasts in a parking lot probably using the same parking lot for 20 years and here's ford rolling this car in there and everybody stopped and walked over to where this car stops it's such a mustang and i thought you know what will be really cool so we're gonna figure out this insurance thing grab this 20 million dollar prototype and show up at some cruising one night and Wait. show it off to everybody we had uh, we had Mark Cripps from the Insurance Bureau of Canada on the previous episode. You know what? I'll uh, we'll, we'll put you in touch and figure this out because I I I'll be honest. I kind of want to see this thing go. Yeah, I want to see I want to see this thing 
what it looks like cruising on the road and what, you know, yeah. picture myself behind the wheel uh, on the 401 or on the 403. Um, well, we're working with Aviva Insurance. And so okay. All right. I would normally say don't hold your breath, but you probably could start holding it. I think the, I think the good people at Aviva are... Uh, Aviva, if you're have, listening, make, make this happen. Yeah, they've committed to they've committed to helping out this program, and one of them is getting this thing out there. Well, I'll be honest; I'm being a bit selfish here, and I'll be I'll show my bias because I'm hoping you you do come down to UK or bring it out to the 905 here because I want to I want to go and take a take a look at this, get a press pass, and sit in the uh, in the cockpit there and see what this uh, what this puppy's like. But I, I mean, I I, I want to kind of have you back to touch base on this because. There's something you brought up in the very first time we had you on that really tickled my mind. It goes to the economics of this thing is that more, more, for most of the times we think of this technology as sitting in the, the car industry silo. And there's something yeah. you said in the last episode is that this technology isn't just car centric. It is, it is applicable across various industries. And these companies that own the patents to this technology you know, it, it opens the door to a lot more, a broader economic yeah. purpose here. And I'm wondering, you know, can you maybe just explain that a bit sure. more for our listeners who are just tuning in now? Sure. I think, look, so we built the car because we're in the car space. And so we said, we need to have really intelligent discussions about it. Like if we're going to electrify, that means we're going to be connected, autonomous, we have intelligent infrastructure to be able to run these vehicles then that technology maybe changes the way the roads look like i'm looking out at the 427 from my window here how different does a 427 look like in a non-collision world never mind a non-emissions world and then what needs to happen in the ecosystem to make that happen and then what are the applications for um uh motorized power that is uh, dependent on varying degrees of energy density and batteries. What could you use that for? And could you go right back to when you go uh, back upstream to mining and ex- extraction based on uh, you know renewable energy, filling utility batteries that power the that power the the the, the machines you use to pull the stuff out of the ground. So we need to buy a ticket to the dance. We did this. But we're really having a, 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 a wider conversation with all three levels of government and then with our counterpart industries, the ones that are complementary. And we're saying, okay, look, if the prime minister's, uh, if the prime minister's set a target of 100% zero emission vehicle sales uh, uh, of new cars by 2035, w- what has to happen in the, in, the, uh, in the energy distribution business? Distribution, transmission, generation. Uh, what has to happen in the infrastructure uh, build side of it? Like, how do you deliver that power? Um, do you deliver it at home? Uh, is there a widespread induction charging? You know, one of the most suppliers on this car is Eleaf Power out of Stratford. It's induction charging. You know, right now, every single electric car that you buy has a kind of a standard plug-in. And, um, you know, depending on the hardware in the car and that you have mounted, uh, you know, you charge at different rates, but the coupling point is the same. Well, here we're talking about indu- induction power. So is induction power at stoplights, in parking lots, uh, down main roads? Is that part of the future? Um, this is a car that is an 800-watt platform, 800-volt platform. 
it could be 1200 volts, you know, depending on the size of the battery that we put in there. It's AI enabled uh, cockpit and auto drive is, you know, we talk about, you know, Tony's steering wheel. It, the application of that technology is not just inside the car. Imagine if that car is now, uh, isn't just bringing you to acute care, but it's signaling ahead to acute care that then gets its triage ready and then prioritizes who's incoming, how they come in, what's ready for them, uh, early high-level diagnosis, that type of thing. It is, the cars will increasingly become part of the Internet of Things. They just happen to be that part that takes you somewhere. And, 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 then, it, and then I think it causes ultimately for, a, for a, a, a redefinition of what a car is. General Motors tells you, tells all of us, they're going to sell us zero emission vehicles, but their target's zero collisions. If you have a zero collision world, meaning these are all autonomous, connected, and um, uh, using AI to predict the models of performance here, we could be in a scenario where we don't hit each other. If we don't hit each other, then we design them differently. All the regs on design are are for safety of pedestrian safety and for driver safety that's how we define a low speed vehicle versus um a light vehicle that gets licensed or or uh heavy duty vehicles well if they don't touch each other what's the difference and then they'll have different weights and then we're really talking about your transportation device and then you'll look at that full spectrum of everything from like a electric scooter all the way to a train that all pretty much operate on the same cloud in that same intelligent infrastructure using the same powertrain and similar chemistry uh, to power them all of them really high voltage all of them very intelligent that is that's not 10 years out that's maybe not even 20 years out but it's certainly by the time my kids have a beard and gray hair that's their reality it's it's funny you mentioned that like the the GM goal of zero collisions because something that we've come up across on this podcast is the the uh, philosophy of Vision Zero, which is yeah. zero pedestrian fatalities, yeah, injuries, and a lot of that conversation, I guess, rightfully so, centers around urban design, you know, yep. street, one way streets and all that stuff, and yet. I was always been amazed. Like nobody talks about going to the car companies, yeah, and talking about how do we work to change that that kind of that human car interface to 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 bring that down. And it's it's you know it's almost like that that missing the missing variable of the equation that we're not yep. we're not we're not talking to. Uh, I, I find that that idea fascinating. I mean, there's lots of car companies that are working. I'm going to give credit here to General Motors in Canada uh, for a couple of things. Um, a few years ago, they decided to hire a thousand new engineers in Oshawa to work on connected autonomous drive. That's the stuff they're working on. And General Motors put it out there as part of their, you know, company objectives with the product and with the development of product, you know, zero collision. For me, at least me personally, kind of reframed the sense of possibilities for the auto sector, those two words put together. A zero collision world is a different type of subdivision approval. 
as we're developing land across this province in this country. It is a algorithmic analysis of the current avenues that are available to vehicles. And if if we're in a zero collision world because they're all connected and maybe they're all autonomous or maybe they're all autonomous in a downtown zone, then maybe you don't need all the lanes. You know, one of the things that drives me crazy, the city of Toronto, when the world shut down during a pandemic, went and put bike lanes in every single major street downtown. And then we all came back to work and go, oh my God, everything's cluttered. The fact of the matter is, people at, in the city of Toronto saying, maybe we need to do some bold things to rethink how we have an urban landscape. And if we push it a little bit, well, it's fine because they pushed it in the other direction. Um, the, the fact is, I think we all benefit from the same things. But for the first time in history, we're on the we're on the the cusp of the enabling technology to allow us to do it without having to have a loser in the process. And um, if if it's if it's zero collisions, we have smaller cars. If it's zero collisions, we might not all be in cars. If it's zero, if it's autonomous. Um, you know, uh, uh, modes of travel. I think that we're able to fit more vehicles, even if they're smaller, in the same space. Uh, we can we can plan our moves. Uh, they can be planned for us. Like, hey, by the way, I had a meeting downtown. I'm in. You know, we're we're in Etobicoke here. I need to go downtown uh, by twelve. Well, the shuttle is going to appear downstairs at eleven thirty-seven, and it's going to get you right there in time. It's going to do it in a zero emissions fashion. It's going to get you there right on time in a move that I would never be able to make personally. And if I tried to, I'd add that risk of collision. Now imagine that we were talking about insurance companies. <clears throat> imagine being an insurance company in a autonomous zero collision world. How do you how do you quantify risk? Where do you apply the cost of that risk? Who is liable for that risk? Is it that is it that that coder at Audi, or is it Joel who bought the Audi, uh, or is it me? Uh, who has written the code for the intelligent infrastructure that you connect to, or is it the 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 group that has come up with the software bill of materials that enables my vehicle to connect to the intelligent infrastructure? I I don't know, but mm-hmm. but what I do know is technology is putting us in a place where we all need to be part of the answer. We all need to rethink it. And usually that means no one's going to move. Why, 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 why am I going to add cost and work? Well, I think we can all see um, the societal benefit if we get there. Now I'm a driver, man. I love driving cars. I might be the last guy off the grid, but I, I know that, that I will be a risk to society and it'll cost me money to do it. But for what's good for all of us to have a better standard of living, it's possible, but we all need to be in the conversation. And so the arrow is is our ticket to that dance. Um, and it's a demonstration that Canada has a bunch of the solutions and at, and at the very least, a bunch of the other starting points. It, it, I like the idea of technology being the, the solution to a, a lot of our problems because, you know, a lot of them are man-made. Like, we, you know, these our cities just didn't, 
organically become look the way they are because they just popped out of the ground that way. We we built them like this. So the solution to making a safer future for pedestrians, car drivers, uh, more environmentally friendly and 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 safer for us all, it's got to be a man-made uh, solution. Yeah. So what you're talking about, John, it's just it's logically the next step, but I I'm excited by the possibilities of it. Um, on on I know this I did I did want to bring this question up because I've seen you tweet about it a couple times, but uh, and it's not necessarily 905 centric, but I think it's important in terms of the overall landscape. And that's in St. Thomas, uh, Volkswagen Canada announced that they're going to be dropping in uh, a battery research facility and, and, and manufacturing plant in St. Thomas. And is it, you know, is this, a, a, maybe it's not because of it directly because of Project Arrow, but, you know, what, maybe tell us what is it about on Ontario that, that, that makes it attractive to a company like Volkswagen to not set up their factory in Tennessee where their, manuf- their North American manufacturing plant is, but in St. Thomas, Ontario, uh, a short drive away from the 905. Well, you're right. So Volkswagen made that decision uh, not because of us, but because of uh, the joint pitch by everybody here, including the people of Volkswagen Canada, who are best positioned to convince the people in Volkswagen and Wolfsburg. Um, it, it it's a it's a few different factors. One is uh, if we're going to electrify, we're going to make batteries. We're going to make batteries for each battery. We need thousands of pounds of rocks that then get uh, processed and turned into usable chemistry that goes into cells that goes into batteries. Those rocks, the ones that we need, lithium, graphite, cobalt, nickel, are in the ground in the highest abundance in Northern Ontario and Quebec. And so uh, from a logistical point of view, uh, this is a very advantageous place, but also a place like St. Thomas that used to be the home of Ford Crown Vic uh, Grand Marquis Manufacturing or um, uh, Sterling Truck Manufacturing. Those shut down in 2010, but that town didn't move. It's in the middle of the automotive uh, corridor. And you know these things get staler as time goes by, but it's only been half of a generation and there is a workforce there that understands advanced manufacturing that dispersed into the general area that now can go back to working at home. Uh, we've got great multimodal transport. We can get these batteries on trucks, on trains, uh, and into the cars that that they're going to be manufactured into. And then we have this great manufacturing culture in Canada where People pursue manufacturing jobs. They pay well. A lot of families have multiple employees, multiple family members as employees of manufacturing ventures. They stay with their companies longer. They get trained in manufacturing through high school and college, and in some cases, university. Um, and they're the types of jobs that that make living in St. Thomas a great place. So, you know, Governments compete for this by cutting checks or tax credits or whatever. So those are available to all the U.S. states and all the Canadian provinces. Um, uh, you know, they make cars in a lot of different places in North America. There's a big, big, the biggest class are still here in Ontario, Michigan, and those Midwest states. But also U.S. Southeast is very important, and Mexico is very important. 
Um, but what's different here is uh, the people, how long they'll stay with you, how they'll commit to you, the excellence of which they manufacture. All of the five automakers present in Ontario have won, and every plant has won JD Power Initial Quality Awards, bronze, silver, gold, and platinum for the Toyota Lexus plants here. So the the whole area is probably the best place to run a 20-year manufacturing enterprise. And St. Thomas, uh, that site in St. Thomas, that town and its history ended up being the best place in um, in Ontario for uh, Volkswagen. Well, I, when I heard that Volkswagen was doing that, I thought it, was, it was good news for the 905 because I can imagine all the, the, the smaller companies that will be able to, to spin off from Volkswagen's uh, investment into Ontario uh, and, and whatnot, you know, because I, I, I don't think Volkswagen is going to be the only company to do this. Uh, no, over time. no, no. And I think the way that I've characterized this investment for, for a lot of other people is General Motors is going to do batteries in Ingersoll. Stellantis is going to do batteries in uh, Windsor. Uh, General Motors is going to make electric motors in St. Catharines. Ford is going to make uh, batteries at a pl- in Oakville where they're making the battery electric vehicles. Toyota is going to do that in Woodstock. Honda's Honda's going to do that in Alliston. Uh, Volkswagen investing in a gigafactory, kind of in the middle of that geography, further cements that foundation, and then and then allows for all of those subcomponent manufacturers, the the battery trays, cathodes, anodes. Uh, uh, thermal management systems, the power electronics, another customer here. So they further diversify their own uh, businesses, further secure uh, their own balance sheets uh, with, you know, what is the world's number two automaker, the biggest European one. And, you know, them and them, uh, Toyota, uh, Hyundai, Kia, General Motors have been battling out for number one in terms of uh, size and timing and this that, and the other, it's, it really is uh, another great opportunity for that supply sector that we think there's probably going to be 2,500 jobs in St. Thomas for Volkswagen. There's probably going to be another 5,000 jobs in and around one, two, three, four hours from the plant. And all this stuff works in just-in-time manufacturing. That's just the standard in the industry. And so there'll be a whole bunch of it, right? in St. Thomas, but you know, some of the companies that are in St. Thomas, London are going to supply Windsor. Some of the companies in Windsor are going to supply there. We think there's 7,500 net new jobs here and it's down the street. Yeah. It's down the street here. You know, I could, depending on who's driving, I can get to St. Thomas in an hour (laughs) and a half from there. Right. So, so I'm I'm getting from your your vibe that you think the future is is bright for uh, the auto sector here in uh, in Canada. I'm with bringing it back to Project Arrow though. What's next? What's the uh, what 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 do you hope to see? What, well, what's the going, next thing that you're pro, that you're working on now? That Project Arrow is open. What's the next thing that you're going to do with it? Well, we got the Project Arrow World Tour here. So what we're doing is we're taking it to 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 um, car makers and to tier one suppliers. Uh, and other interested companies and jurisdictions around uh, North America, and then uh, we'll be popping across the Atlantic and the Pacific. 
we're going to Atlanta, for example, to a um, to a suburb called Peachtree Corners, that has dedicated itself and and a series of its central city blocks to being the testing place for autonomous connected uh, mobility technology. They've invested in the intelligent technology. We're going to do a demo of the Arrow there. We figured out the insurance for, ironically, for a Georgian uh, demo, and we're going to. We, we think two dozen of the companies on the car are going to join us for meetings with BMW, UPS, Cisco, Bosch, Microsoft, Siemens, and and uh, VW to show off the wares. Then it's going to go to Detroit and do the same thing. It's going to go down to Palo Alto. It's going to go down to Texas. Um, it's going to go to Ohio for uh, uh or one of the other manufacturers, who I almost said who it was, one of the other manufacturers oh. <laughs> uh, in Kentucky. And so it, it will, the legacy of the arrow is that it is going to create a book of business, you know, $500 million in new sales for the companies who were on it because they were on it and they demonstrated it and they got those contracts. Those contracts are, you know, typically five to seven years, you know. Yeah, that's, uh, that's like, uh, at any point, are you hoping maybe the, the, you see like an act, the actual arrow in commercial production on the on Canadian highways at some point? Would you would you would you be? Are is there any party that kind of hopes to see that happen at some point? Perhaps. You know, it's funny because you know anybody who listens to the nine hundred five will say, "Well, it's a big production company. There must be a thousand people there." And you know, when you sit back there and you go, "Well, it's, it's me and a couple other people." It's like the APMA. It's me and a me and thirteen other people. We're a, we're a trade association. We're not going to make uh, uh, cars at volume. Uh, I mean, unless you've got a billion dollars, you want to sponsor us uh, from the I, podcast. I, I, I if I had a billion dollars, I wouldn't be doing this. But I'm wondering if there's you know somebody out there might be saying I could find a billion dollars and I could you know. I had somebody in here this morning who said that, and what we said to everybody is. This isn't this isn't our car. I don't hold the patent on the technology on it. This car was designed for you to get attracted to the technology that's on it and buy it. Now, if you want to buy it as a as a kind of a a a, a subsection of all the powertrain, uh, the 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 platform, the 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 brains, and the uh, the substructures. And build your own vehicle out of it. I'm going to introduce you directly to all the suppliers who did that. If you want to use it as a kit to make your own car, I'm going to introduce you to all the suppliers who did it. If you want to make a Canadian car company, but you don't know uh, where to get the talent, the suppliers, the design, um, the proof of concept, I have it. Uh, you've got to bring mobile equity. You've got to be prepared to talk to suppliers about. Uh, volume and timing, uh, but I made a prediction at the auto at the at the auto show, the Toronto auto show. I said within ten years, people are going to come to this show and look on the floor and see Canadian cars for sale. I think the business models uh, they're shifting; they're not changing. Everything's all disruptive. No, but there's enough of an opening. One or two or three or five percent of the market, which is 100 million cars a year will open up to different business models and we're going to see Canadian cars there. Um, I, I, I took this job because I'm a car guy, not because I'm an auto guy. The distinction being made for me by the hiring committee who said, well, you're 
an enthusiast. We need someone who understands the business. I said, well, don't hire me then. Or teach me the business. But you can't teach me to love cars. I love cars. I would love to see the arrow in production. I'd love to drive an arrow and not this $20 million one that I can't insure. <laughs> and I'd love to do that because I think, I don't think that we did anything groundbreaking here except contextually. But I think that what we've done for the next generation of car guys and car girls is say, well, you can make a Canadian car company. Now, do something special. Make a compelling proposition. Maybe these are the no-collision e-mobility vehicles of the future. But we're here to help you, number one, to confirm that you can do it, to help you get there, and to challenge you to do it, You know, to go out there, be the lion, and get it done. Uh, I think if we talked four years ago and I said that you were going to make a working prototype today, you'd say, well, are you crazy? You're a trade association. And how is that core business? And what would be the point of that? And and now, as we do interview number 126, and people are talking about Canada as an EV technology superpower, the arrow's done a bit of that. Well, I, I, for one, I, I, I want to see more, I, I want to see that happen someday. So I'm hoping that yeah. somebody's listening, who's got the deep pockets and has that little bit of gumption to say, I'm going to, I'm, I want to, I want to make that happen. So, uh, but I do see we're coming up on our time and I don't want to keep you, uh, any longer, but th- thanks very much, Flavio, for coming on and just giving us an update on, on how this project has turned out. And if you do get the insurance sorted out, come by my house. We'll go over to Timmy's, get a couple of double doubles, yeah. and we'll do donuts in the parking lot and go home. I would I would love to. And I think we're gonna do our next interview from inside the arrow. And whether that's rolling awesome. or not, I'm gonna have you in it and let's talk about it. Uh done. Deal. All right. Good. Okay. Right. Thanks very much. Uh have a great uh, have a great one. You too. Thanks for having me on. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Did Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? 
Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. <laughs>